Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State Athletics Podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh and Jenny Carlson. Coming to you in the mobile podcast studio on our way home after uh, Oklahoma State's 55-3 to defeat of Kansas, route, blow away, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say this for everybody right up front so that nobody else has to worry about saying it later. It was Kansas, but now we got that out of the way. You don't have to worry about it the rest of the way. I'm going to go on the record and say I called it a demolition in something I wrote. So <laughs> Fair enough. That's, I, I that thought that was too. appropriate. That works too. So I, uh, I figure we should go ahead and get uh, the it was Kansas but uh, 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 issue addressed early. Now we don't have to worry about saying it the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the podcast. It's out of the way. It's done. It's over. Because it was Kansas but some really good things came out of this game. <laughs> Like there we got some really big butts coming here. Yes, there were some really positive things that came out of this game for Oklahoma State. Uh, you look at what the uh, what the offense was able to do in uh, in rolling up some yards and some points, getting out of the game before halftime. You look at what the defense was able to do, not giving up a first down until the third quarter. Uh, Just what, another day at the office. Another day at the office for those guys. Uh, really impressive performance from uh, from what from the defensive side of the ball. Once again, uh, everything was solid. Special teams were uh, were solid when they had to use them, which was very infrequently. And and it was just a, a really impressive performance all the way around. So uh, we'll get into uh, we'll get into all of it. I think the defense uh, deserves the uh, the first shout uh, at this point because um, Jacob, I know you did the uh, the by the numbers of this game. And uh, I think uh, I think I got the feeling that it was pretty tough to decide exactly which numbers of all the impressive ones that the defense was putting up were the best to use. Yeah, and I feel bad. I got to looking later, and I forgot to put the 0 for 13 on third down in the numbers. But uh, Kansas was 0 for 13 on third down for the record. It was covered elsewhere. Jenny okay. has my back. Uh, but that – was so impressive. I mean, at one point, Jason Bean had a quarterback rating over a negative 100. And he finished at negative one. So I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head now, but negative 1.234 or something. something like that. Six. Okay, so I, don't, I, I learned tonight that a negative quarterback rating is possible. <laughs> and at one point, it looked like he was going to have this astronomical negative quarterback rating um, because OSU picked off two of his first three passes, and it looked like it was going to be that kind of day. And I don't. And Kansas changed quarterbacks at halftime. They said enough, and uh, it was because of this defense. They, they just didn't. Literally, they weren't giving inches. They had. There was a couple times that Kansas had a third in inches, and they got nothing. And so. 
Um, I think as Reese Davis said last week on game day about the defense, you'll get nothing and you'll like it. And that's what Kansas had to deal with. It was it was really impressive. And I thought the third down stuff was incredible because there were some third and shorts. You mentioned the, the third and inches where they, uh, they I think, even went back a, uh, a yard or so. Uh, but there were some third and shorts, a lot of third and shorts that uh, Oklahoma State could have given up and uh, just did not uh, did not allow anything. Yeah, and I think there were I, – I didn't go back and look this closely yet, but – you know, my recollection was they even had some second and short situations yeah. that, you know, Kansas didn't get a first down until well into the third quarter. And they had some second and short situations where you thought, well, here it is. Now they're going to get a first down. And not only did they not get first down on that second and short opportunity, which, again, I think they had a couple of those at least, um, they didn't get it on third down either. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is – We've come to expect really good defensive performances, but um, I think, okay, Scott, it was Kansas, but <laughs> I saw this same Kansas team a week ago convert three third downs and have six first downs on the first possession of the game against OU. So they 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 can move it, not great, but they are getting better um they this is not uh maybe kansas of a couple years ago i do think they are improving but oklahoma state made them look look very kansas like which i think is very telling this this is just a it's an excellent defense best defense in the big 12 i don't think there's any question about that what does that mean moving forward we're gonna find out because this game at west virginia is going to be tough they've got obviously got bedlam left um they're not to the end of this yet but um they just continue to be the the constant they're just the constant on this team they are and it's been really impressive to watch you see the uh the, the turnovers they forced three turnovers tonight did not turn the ball over at all on offense uh which is the second game in a row they've done that so that's a uh, a streak they need to keep alive was it uh, one turnover in three games Yes, that's yeah. right. They had the uh, the one interception by Spencer Sanders in the second quarter against Texas. So he's gone. Uh, if you give him credit for half a game tonight, he's uh, he's gone two full games without an interception at this at this point, quarter wise, eight full quarters without an interception, which is a significant stat for him because he's only done that uh, once before in his career. So that's a uh, a significant piece of, uh, of information in terms of how he's playing right now. Um, I'm sure there's, uh, there's more about the defense that we, uh, that we could talk about, but uh, now that we brought up Spencer Sanders, I, uh, I want to go down that path. He played, uh, he played really well. He made some really good throws, moving around, moving the pocket, throwing on the run, and it was... Uh, I was about to say it was Kansas, but uh, <laughs> so I'll go ahead and say it again. It was Kansas, but I sense a theme. He really needed a game like this, I think, to kind of cement what he is doing right now and and how well things are going. I think this is important for confidence. I think if they had come out and had some struggles, like it looked like they might early when they uh, they couldn't convert early on the third mm-hmm. and fourth down. 
and uh, ended up with a, uh, a turnover on downs. You know, if they had had a few more of those type of drives, this could have been a game that that didn't feel great for for Spencer Sanders because uh, I mean you want to uh, you want to you want to score every time you have the ball, but if you're if you're not scoring in a game where you feel like you should legitimately be scoring every time you have the ball, then it's uh, then it's a real hindrance to your confidence. And that was, uh, I think, the most important thing to come out of this. Another week of uh, of the same receivers, all uh, all being out there. Although they did they did make one switch, they moved Rashad Owens back to the inside mm-hmm. and uh, have him backing up um, Blaine Green. Almost got my Green Twins reversed <laughs> there. Bryson Green slides into the starting lineup at the uh, the other outside position opposite Tay Martin. So. They they did change that up, but those those are still guys that that Spencer has been working with. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't some huge change like like it was say going into Boise Week whenever they were having to uh, move Rashad Owens into Tay Martin's spot and uh, and you know Kale Cabanis is is in the two deep all of a sudden and and all of those type of things. So Kale Cabanis did get a catch tonight. He got targeted. Yeah, or targeted. That's right, targeted. Yeah, he got targeted. Didn't so he uh, was in the game? Didn't have the catch. He was in the game. Right. I I think the biggest thing is the biggest thing I saw with Spencer tonight was his pocket awareness. Yeah, it seemed like he really had a good sense of when the pass rush was coming and when it wasn't. Um, it's been an improvement. I noticed it last week at Iowa State, but tonight it just felt like he had he knew where every Kansas defender was, and that's. That's a good sign. It's a Kansas butt scenario again, I think. But I also think it's the really, really great sign moving forward for him. We've said it's Kansas butt a lot of times, considering I said it once at the beginning and told us we didn't have to say it anymore. We don't listen very well, do we? No, that's okay. I've done it myself, so I I, got to throw myself (laughs) under the bus with that one. (laughs) But... um, but I think it was really important that Sanders was able to do what he did and spread the ball out, get a lot of receivers involved. Um, you know, he had the uh, the big block, which was uh, which was maybe my favorite play of the night. The the big block that uh, that sprung Brennan Presley in for the touchdown. I wasn't watching Presley at all. I got to admit, after no. he took the reverse. Uh, I knew who was out there blocking, and I was just watching Spencer Sanders. I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> something's <laughs> about to happen," and it did. Uh, and I'm I'm in Colby Harvell Peel's camp, and that I don't sign off on the quarterback blocking with his throwing shoulder. <laughs> that was probably not the smartest thing, but worked out great. Um, and that's one of those plays that they'll show in film, and the guys will go crazy, and everybody will love it. I mean. Spencer Sanders is clearly a competitive, fiery dude, and he wants to win, and things haven't been smooth, and he's hung in there, and I think we're starting to see some of the some of the fruits of that, you know, that um, he hasn't – you know, there were times before in his career, guys, we'd see him get frustrated. And I think he probably still does to a degree, but I think he's figured out how to be patient with situations, and this year demanded it, and it may still demand it, but he – you know hung in there here they are still with just one loss on their on their resume and um you know still a lot of possibilities so I think a lot of credit 
to a lot of people on this team, but Spencer Sanders is a quarterback leader guy that had to, you know, he's got to do some stuff for this team. And I think we're starting to see him and this offense round into something that could really make the last month or so of the season really interesting for this team. It's definitely going to be interesting. There's no doubt about that because uh, even though we didn't have a fourth quarter game today, there are uh, there are more on the horizon for this team because that's just the way that they are going to play. And, um, you know, I mean, if the offense can, uh, can start clicking again and continue doing things like they did today and the defense plays what it's uh, the way it's uh, capable of, you know they can uh, they could maybe uh, maybe have some some more double digit victories come out of this, uh, but it's going to be tough. West Virginia is obviously legit, uh, coming off their win over Iowa State, put thirty eight points on the board. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, that's a uh, stout Iowa State defense that we saw last week, and uh, to go score thirty eight on those guys is uh, is a pretty impressive feat. I think I heard Barry say this at some point, and I don't know when it was, if it was to me or in our meeting or at some point along the line, but he made the comment that Oklahoma State's got, as I said before, best defense in the Big 12. But Iowa State is the best all-around team at this point, which I think is is true. I do think Oklahoma State is going to take a better defense to West Virginia, and we've seen this West Virginia team be up and down. Maybe they did get something figured out today. I think Iowa State, I mean, I, I can't believe they got themselves back into the conversation in the Big 12 only to go to Morgantown and, and lose. And they, I don't want to get, I don't want to make, this is not the Iowa State postgame podcast, but they mishandled the end of that game so badly time management was just blech. So, I don't know. That, that was, I don't know quite yet what to make of West Virginia, but clearly that is a big test. Anytime you go to Morgantown, and now if West Virginia's feeling, talked about confidence earlier, Scotty, Spencer Sanders and this offense has got to be feeling confident, but you know West Virginia's feeling confident after what happened today. Yeah, they definitely are. They're, uh, they threw the ball well. They ran the ball well. I was able to watch a decent chunk of that game uh, before OSU's game started today, and West Virginia looked like a team that uh, – that was uh, was very capable of doing whatever they needed to do to go win a football game. You know, they uh, they forced a fumble at the goal line by Brees Hall late in that game. That uh, there was really a, a a big swing in that game. Iowa State looked like they were going in for a tying touchdown and uh, and came away with nothing. So they're a team that is going to push you to your uh, to the limit. Uh, one way or another it seems uh, at this point so looks like an entertaining game we've got next week in Morgantown for sure Um, going back to the Oklahoma State offense uh, one of the things that I thought was impressive and uh, kind of uh, kind of flew under the radar because it it wasn't a, a huge part of the game four guys go over 50 yards rushing that's uh that's pretty big, considering that nobody had more than 11 carries in the entire backfield. Dominic Richardson led the team with 11 for uh, for 79. Jalen Warren had what was it, nine for 69 from him on a uh, a productive and uh, and slow night. 
productive and uh, and and restful is probably a better way to put it. Yeah, Jaden Nixon had 11 carries. He did. He, he went over over the 50 yard mark in uh, in mop up duty and ran and ran well. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah that that was that was huge. Um, you know, running back depth is something you've got to be concerned about at times. I think behind Warren, they haven't. This is the most extended action Richardson Dominic Richardson's gotten all season. Um, he looks like a powerful runner, and I think it could complement to Jalen. Um, but you got to find another option, and Jaden Nixon seems maybe to be that guy. If you really need a third guy, I go back and forth on if you need a third guy if you're OSU right now. Right. Um, it's clearly not Des Jackson because he didn't play. He didn't play at all, so um, that's a, an interesting scenario there. If he's healthy and he didn't play, I'm really intrigued what's going on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was that's very underrated. Um, I like the balance all around tonight. They got a lot of receivers involved, got a lot of running backs involved. Um, that was good. Good to see for an offense that hasn't really spread the ball around too much this season. Uh, you had four different guys score a touchdown in the – First half, I thought was big. Um, Brennan, Brennan Presley had two of those, and I think Tay Martin had a touchdown. Spencer rushed for a touchdown. Um, I'm missing another one in there. Um, it might have been one of the greens. Yeah, it was. Um, yes. Yeah, it was. And so you've got. All that I thought was really important, and then you kept spreading around with Hillingworth at quarterback and even Ethan Bullock at quarterback. So um, it was good. it was a good night all around for the offense. Um, and I asked Casey if Casey Dunn if he kind of felt like he'd reached into his tool chest a little bit deeper, and he didn't really bite on the question. But uh, I, I still think he was a little bit having some fun getting different options out there. Yeah, we saw John Paul Richardson get in uh, get in the end zone as well late in the game. So uh, a lot of guys getting involved. Um, I was uh, I was surprised when I looked down at the stat sheet and saw that uh, the Brennan Presley only had uh, a couple of catches and uh, very small amount of yardage. I don't have the stats in front of me at the moment, but uh, uh, six or eight yards receiving for him somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, but he had the 14-yard touchdown run, you know, so he scores two touchdowns, and it just felt like a bigger night from him, but. They're clearly finding ways to get the ball in in this kid's hands, and I think that's important, Jenny. No, it absolutely is, and I yeah, I felt like, and I think we all did coming off the way he finished last season, particularly in the bowl game, that that was, you know, going to be a big sign of what we were going to see. I mean, I think obviously the injuries and and those sorts of things, um, I think a lot of that impacted how Presley was used could be used all those sorts of things I think you know defenses were probably able to bracket him and do some things in coverage that now I'm not sure they can and you know so if you've got you know if you've got your your top cornerback on Tay Martin who you got on on Presley I mean he's shown he's capable of you know winning one-on-one battles and obviously outrunning anybody really so that becomes a real problem when you're at least saying to your second best cornerback or maybe somebody else safety perhaps to try to go cover that guy that's not going to be an easy task so that's where you know when you talk about wide receivers getting healthy there's a lot of there's a lot of residual side effects to that that are positive for Oklahoma State's offense but that to me is one of them 
that is pretty darn tangible. I, you know, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of position groups that you can, you know, point to and say, well, it's more maybe plug and play. I mean, I think, you know, running back, maybe so. You don't maybe have to have quite the rhythm um, to, if your running backs are hurt or if you're, you're subbing in and out. But receivers that way, line is that way. We saw that last year with Oklahoma State and their offensive line. Um, you know, just – and maybe there have been some years in the past when Oklahoma State had receivers that were more veteran that they could have maybe weathered the, the injury bug better. We knew this was going to be a year with some young receivers that had to make plays and had to sort of figure things out. But then you throw in the injuries, and it really it really sort of compounded things. But if they can keep these guys healthy and keep building on what we saw today, what we saw last week, even in that loss, um, what we saw obviously at Texas, I think it's, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to say – um, see in Arlington, but it's uh, it's definitely an intriguing um, trajectory that we see the Cowboys on right now. Yeah, it is. The interesting thing, I think, about getting Presley so involved to the point that, uh, that, that he feels like a, a dangerous playmaker is now you've got, you know, you, you had established the run going back to the Boise State game. You had established Tay Martin as, as kind of a go-to receiver. And now you throw in Presley, and now defenses really have some decisions to make because are you going to put in an extra guy in the box? Are you going to uh, are you going to shadow an, an extra guy over Tay Martin, or are you going to try to clog the middle and, and take Presley away? And no matter what you do, it's uh, it's going to be a mess for your uh, for your defense because there's there's someone else who can who can hit you. And attack you and 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 make plays against you. We saw Tay Martin's touchdown tonight. He was in one-on-one coverage. Yeah. And there was nobody coming over to help the guy covering him. So they had just decided, well, this is what we got, and this is this guy's got to go try to cover him uh, on his own, and it it didn't work that well. Uh, Tay Martin had a step or two on him and made a pretty easy easy play catch. You know, touchdown reception for the Cowboys. So. Yeah, Scott, I think you're exactly right. I think it changes the defense. I mean, it's it's what we've seen in a lot of years past when Oklahoma State has had, you know, it, whether it was, you know, Marcel Aitman, Chris Lacey, James Washington, um, you know, you tile up all those guys that maybe your third best guy wasn't a Belitnikoff finalist type of guy, but he could still go make half a dozen catches and score two touchdowns in a game right. if, if, if you – if you let him, and I think that, again, I'm not saying they're there yet, but that's the type of thing we're starting to see and the kind of problem it causes. Yeah, it's something that if Oklahoma State can keep it going can be a real problem for uh, for opposing defenses down the stretch here in this season. You look at what's left for Oklahoma State, you're at West Virginia next week, back home for TCU the week after that, on the road at Texas Tech, and then back home for uh, for Bedlam. So, a uh, obviously all of these games are going to be challenging. There's uh, there's not another there's not another Kansas on the schedule at this point. So, you're looking at some uh, some tough games, some uh, some fourth quarter games, and 
the more weapons that uh, that you can bring to the table, the better for this Oklahoma State offense. Mike Gunny made the comment, "We're not gonna we're not gonna win these games scoring 23 points." And uh, you know, he says they're gonna have to get into the 30s. I don't know if their defense necessarily requires them to get into the 30s, but it's gonna make things a whole lot more comfortable if they can uh, if they can keep putting up some some 30 spots on some of these teams. While going to Morgantown and Lubbock, neither of those places is historically an easy place to go win ball games. These are th- these next three weeks are winnable games. These are games that Oklahoma State's going to be favored in, and if they can if they can manage their business these next three weeks, you know it sets up all the things that they wanted to set up when this season started. So, um, you know they're going to need a little help when they lost last week at Iowa State. It require now requires some help, but. It's, it's not outlandish help. You're not asking for 17 things to happen. Um, so if they can win these games and continue on this momentum that we've seen them picking up here these last few weeks, you know, I think these are, these are games that when the season started, you, you thought, you know, I think there's a pretty good chance they go win these games. And now, the way they're playing, I think it seems even more likely. Do they do it? they got to go take care of it. But I think those are games that they... They should go. They should go be, you know. They should go be better than uh, West Virginia, TCU, and Tech. That's exactly right. And when you look at the uh, the the scenario around the Big Twelve title game picture now, uh, with that Iowa State loss, puts Oklahoma State back in uh, in complete control of uh, of their destiny. Now, you win out, and you're going to Arlington. Obviously, that includes winning Bedlam. Uh, but Iowa State was the uh, the uh, the fly in the ointment with that uh, that situation before. Now that they've got another loss, uh, that uh, that puts Oklahoma State in a much better situation going forward. Now the only team that uh, that is out there that could mess things up for Oklahoma State is Baylor. Uh, but they've still got to play Oklahoma. Iowa State still has to play Oklahoma, so they're looking at another potential loss. Uh, because if uh, Oklahoma State was to lose again and uh, things get really hairy, you could end up in a, a, a tiebreaker scenario with Iowa State again. But uh, that's uh, that that'd be a, a way down the road type of thing. But um, Oklahoma State is is back in control of their of their destiny in terms of getting to Arlington at this point, and a little bit of help along the way, and they don't even have to win out. So. It'll be uh, interesting to watch down the uh, down the stretch for this team as they try to uh, to go play for a Big Twelve title. Yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued by this. I mean, you mentioned Iowa State has their schedule left. I mean, they, Texas. I don't know what to make of Texas, but they've got Texas next week. Right. Um, maybe Texas gets it figured out. I don't know. Um, maybe they figure bet. out how to hold a, a double digit lead in the second half. Yeah, I mean. You know, I mean, I, I, it's that's baffling to me. That's a whole different podcast. Um, you know, I mean, OU doesn't have an easy schedule left just, either. Uh, not, not to interrupt, but yeah, uh, no. but uh, knowing Texas media, there are several podcasts on the topic yes. uh, already. Yes, all probably already available that's, for download. That's very true. Go find um, those and listen to those if you want yeah. more on that. I don't, <laughs> I don't have an answer to that other than, wow. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, Jay. no, you're good. Uh, but OU doesn't have an easy schedule left either. Right. Um, they still have Baylor and Iowa State. You know, that's you know, that's for a team that's defense has struggled at times this season can really can be some 
some problems. Uh, so I, you know, and those two teams play really pretty good defense too. So uh, those those this race is far from over. Um, I'm really intrigued, and back to back bedlam still sounds a lot of fun, a lot of fun to me. Absolutely. All right. Well, I believe that brings us to my favorite segment, the most important thing I forgot. Oh, I got a couple options. It was Kansas, but I'm sure that I forgot something. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw out there the old comedy show on postgame oh, from Jason yeah. Taylor and Colby Harvell Peel. Um, Phenomenally entertaining. Those guys are fantastic. Um, yes, on the field and off. Apparently they have a competition going who's going to have the most interceptions this season. Um, it was tied for briefly there for uh, a minute or so when Jason had his interception. Um, and then Colby had an interception the next pass. Jason Bean threw and took the lead back. Um, and then they three got three to two. Is that the uh, three to is two? That the count? Yes, it should be uh, five to three or, <laughs> or no, no, four to three. Four sorry, to three, yeah. Uh, Jason's had two called back on penalties that Colby conveniently forgot to mention in the comedy hour. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and he, uh, but you know, uh, he also Colby also threw Jabbar uh, Jabbar Muhammad under the bus for not blocking for him on his return, um, which I thought was hilarious. They gave Nick Session a lot of. A lot of crap for uh, his non-pick six because he had the, he had the pick six in his sights, and somehow he got caught. Um, and Jason Taylor had the line of the night with if it hit him in the stomach because apparently Nick Session was surprised he caught it. Yeah, but it hit him in the stomach. If it had been a spear, it would have killed him. <laughs> and that's the funniest line of the night, and that's that's the most important thing you forgot. Yes, that was uh, that was phenomenal stuff. Best thing about that line was how he delivered it. It was so nonchalant, <laughs> like right. like kind of like kind of like old man Jason Taylor sitting in his rocking chair saying, "It was a spear, would have killed him," <laughs> and just on he went. No, it was that was that was fun stuff. I will say we mentioned it. I think uh, early, Scott. I think you mentioned uh, special teams. I'll say that's the probably the overlooked thing because the defense was so good and the offense was so emergent. I think. The def or the I'm sorry the special teams, uh, a 49 yard field goal. Uh, I thought uh, Tanner Brown uh, impressive at the 49 yarder. Um, we saw Alex Hale back out there on a short field goal. He hit that. Um, you know, just solid stuff all the way around with the special teams, which um, you know they uh, close games being the way that this team has gone for the most part tonight, notwithstanding. Having some field goal kickers that can consistently hit something, that could be huge. And so to get those guys going uh, and feeling better about where they stand, nothing wrong with that either. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, for uh, for Oklahoma State, the way things have gone to uh, to have so many extra points that, uh, that they had tonight and uh, not be uh, wringing your hands and, uh, and, and watching those closely – was uh, was an important factor as well. So, Jacob, anything else? I've that, got one uh, more. That got I, one that more. I forgot? Warren Clay, oh. the viral moment of the game. Colin Clay's little brother was the uh, Pistol Pete buddy of the game. I think is what it's called. Hung out with BB in the end zone and then did the greatest OSU chant you will ever see. And yeah. he got put on the graphic at the end of the game by OSU's social media team. Um, he was a real treat. The video that I 
have not stopped watching. And uh, I'm hoping, a little teaser here, I'm hoping that uh, you readers will get a chance to know more about him later this week. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. He's like every kid who's hyped up on Halloween candy. He's their spirit animal. So yes, he exactly. Was, he was very excited and very into it. It was super cute. I have no idea how old the kid was, but he 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 was standing there very composed, very uh, within himself, and then got the mic in his face and went nuts, and it was phenomenal. It was fantastic. I loved every bit of it. OSU fans know usually the, the little kid in that scenario will just say, Go Pokes! But he, so, you know, everybody's kind of expecting it. And then he breaks out with this very energetic, oh, with all the hand motions, everything. It was great. It was super fantastic. He was. He was hulking out. That's exactly right. Yes. That's what, that's what it was. It it was, uh, it was great. He had chaps on and a holster for a gun. He was like, he was fully OSU'd. It was so awesome. It was. If you haven't seen it. Go to the uh, OSU football uh, account, Cowboy FB, on Twitter, and uh, and they've got it posted on there, so you can check it out. And uh, I'm probably sh- I'm sure that probably all three of us retweeted it at some point in the evening. Yes. So, um, so check out our Twitter accounts as well if you want to try to find it. So definitely worth watching over and over again. It was good stuff. All right. Anything else uh, from uh, from you two? That's I, it. I think that's uh, I think that's about it. Um, we'll be coming to you uh, possibly earlier in the week with our our midweek podcast, depending on uh, on how things play out with the Oklahoma State Cowboys uh, practice schedule this week. So we'll see uh, we'll see when we uh, come to you, Jacob and I will have a midweek podcast at some point, possibly earlier, possibly later, but it won't be Tuesday. We know that because the uh, the team is off on Tuesday for sure. So we won't be talking to players on Tuesday. We might talk to them Monday. Might talk to them Wednesday. We don't know, but we'll come to you with a, uh, a midweek podcast to preview the West Virginia game. And then Barry Trammell and I will be heading to West Virginia, to Morgantown, to cover that game next weekend. So Looks like a 2.30 kick, friends. 2.30 kick in uh, in Morgantown, which is uh, 3.30 in Morgantown, I guess, actually. 2.30 in Oklahoma. There you go. So, got that to look forward to. An afternoon game from Morgantown should be a... Uh, Should be a fun one. So thank you all for listening to the Cowboy Chronicles podcast. We will talk to you in the next one.